0: Screw it, screw it, we're just going to talk talk about about Spider-Man. Just let me know when to start. I I pointed at you and we started recording. Great, so now? Yep. Great. Right now. Okay. (laughs) Welcome to Screw It, we're just going to talk about Spider-Man. I'm your host, your only host, your one and only host, Kevin Hines. And I'm your only host, your one and only host, Will Hines. And that means combined, we're (laughs) co-hosts. Who don't know about each other. That's right. We both think we're doing solo podcasts. We have a special kind of schizophrenia. Two personalities spread out over two people. That's right. And I just, I have like this tick where I pause for a long time and then act like I'm responding to somebody. And I'm constantly eating. (laughs) So it works out so our conversation sounds natural. Yeah, that's right. Um... So uh, this is the podcast where two schizophrenics uh, talk about Spider-Man comics and specifically the original Spider-Man comics by the original creators, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. Yeah, uh, if you're a Spider-Man fan and you haven't read these old issues, man, they're so cool and good and you'll love them and we just recommend yeah, get them. Get Marvel Unlimited and read them that way or buy them at Comixology or buy those big uh, collections. Recently, collections called the Epic Collections, Great Power and Great Responsibility. Yeah, those are really good. Those are really editions. great collections of the entire Ditko-Lee run. Yep. Um, and today we're going to be talking about issue number 27, Bring Back My Goblin to Me, the second of a two-parter. Yeah. Uh, so last week we talked about the first part of this, which ended on a big cliffhanger. We couldn't wait to reveal how it went, so we're recording the next part right after that episode. Immediately right after. if if you you listen listen to to last week's episode, this is the, for us, it's like been minutes. For you, it's been a week. We've traveled in time somehow. Yeah. Uh, if you're binge listening, then that's what we're doing too. Yeah. We're binge recording. Yep. And, um... And uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. We ended the last issue with the Green Goblin and a man known as the Crime Master who have been battling to control the New York crime syndicates. Yes. They're at a meeting of all the crime bosses and their henchmen. And they each know each other's secret identity and they're holding it over the other one's head. we, the reader, don't know either of their secret identities. Mm -hmm. We have been led to believe that the Crime Master is reporter Frederick Foswell. Yes. They've been banging it over the head. And Spider-Man is very suspicious of Frederick Foswell. Since he also used to run the mob. Yeah. Frederick Fraswell used to be the big man who ran the mob with the help of the enforcers. But the really key part of the end of last issue is the goblin had knocked Spider-Man unconscious. Yeah. It was dragging his body up onto some sort of wooden platform to show it to the gangs and be like, hey, I beat up Spider-Man. Let me lead your gangs. Pretty good argument. So um, that's pretty good. Or the leaders they already had could keep leading them. Yeah. Yeah, there's no reason to just have one guy all the time. But that's a constant plot in Spider-Man comics. Yeah. All right, so that's what we're going to go over uh, this episode. Right. This is uh, an August 1965 issue. Uh-huh. So that is um, August is the birth of my son. And it predates Ooh. it by... <laughs> the, 10, 20, 30, 40s two years? Uh, is that with 18 plus... Oh, no. Six, he's 16, 16, 41 and, years. 41 years. 41 years. So, um, so it's also a couple months after the Beatles released the album Help and uh, like a month or two before they released the album Revolver. They did two albums in 1965. Ugh. <laughs> Relax, dude. Let somebody else do an album. That means <laughs> that means one other band couldn't do one. That's right. Back then. It was there's a fixed s- number of albums, f- yeah. yeah. So the Beatles got greedy. Uh, yep. Nobody wanted another album from the Beatles in the mid-60s. <laughs> I mean, uh, people wanted it, but like. Those other bands are like, We got albums too. And Beatles, are like, We'll do another one. And then they're like, Well, we'll take the Beatles one, said the record execs. I can already tell this is going to be a way loopier episode than normal. <laughs> Buckle up, folks. Um, so, yeah, August 1965. sort of five. a loopy issue. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's appropriate for the content. So, usually we start talking about the cover, right? Yeah, I think this is a good cover. This is a really good cover. I love the title, too. Bring Back My Goblin to Me is really fun. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, there's like um, "Bring Back My Bonnie" to okay. me. It's so like I, a song. I, I could tell it was a reference to something, but I didn't know what. Yeah, that's kind of fun. And um, I chose the goblin on his glider, lording over a gang of thugs who are all just beating the crap out of a chained up Spider-Man, including the Crime Master. Oh, yeah, the Crime Master is one of those dudes. Yeah. Um, probably the best part of the cover is this one dude's tie uh, <laughs> on the rightmost thug with that blue tie with that cool Ditko design yeah, on it, sort of squirrely you got to look Swirls. for those little Ditko patterns. They're always really cool. Yeah, Liz Allen was wearing a dress with those patterns last issue. Good eye. Also, you get a good you get a good look at a bunch of Ditko hair on this <laughs> cover. Steve <laughs> Ditko, the artist of Spider-Man, is like really into odd-looking hair. Maybe he doesn't think it's odd, but it looks odd. Lots of hats, lots of uh, grimacing faces. It's just tightly curled, woven. People's hair in, the, in Ditko's universe is real close to I mean, their heads. I love every face in the Ditko issue. Me too, me too. So, uh, yeah, really good cover, I think. Yeah. Um, now, before we get into the issue itself, we do a couple other things. Right. So since we last recorded an hour ago. Yes. What podcast news has come up? <laughs> so much. Well wow, uh, really? Uh, yeah. I can't wait to hear about it. Um, we're going analog. <laughs> well, no well. more digital episodes. Are all podcasts. All podcasts. Okay. It's just been announced by Steve Jobs, who came okay. back from the dead and said, everyone's got to listen to records. So this is being recorded onto an album. Yeah, yeah but cut and unlike, wax. But unlike in the 60s, there's not a finite there's number. There's an infinite number of albums so that allowed. Helps. Phew. Uh, but no, no podcast news. Uh, and no Spider-Man news. No Spider-Man news either. And as always, there's no Marvel Universe news because it's Martin all happening. Is Marvel pretty, is pretty sad. Yeah, they're locked in. They're just turning out hit after hit what issue. When does Black Panther show up? He shows up sort of soon, oh, right? Oh, when's his first story? Well, he doesn't get his own comic, but he shows up yeah, in yeah. the Fantastic Four pretty soon. And since he's such a huge character now... Uh, um, I'll find out in... The Black Panther was, um, a Stan Lee and Jack Kirby creation. He showed up in the pages of the fantastic four. Although he really came into his own under other creators. He, he, it's a year away. July 90, 66. Uh, uh, not, not too far though. No. Um, yeah, fantastic four 52. For those of you, that would have been good up. story, by the way. Yeah. I mean, at that point, at that point, that run of FF issues is, oof for the good, I, I think like, it's probably already pretty great now, but I do think there's something about like as Ramita takes over Spider-Man, yeah, Kirby and Lee, like they go up another level, it. yeah, from like an already strong place. They like it just gets better and better and better for so long. The Fantastic Four is really something. We special. should be doing if this shouldn't be Spider-Man. We is wasted like garbage. It. Spider-Man is nothing. Yes, yeah, Steve Ditko is a hack. He's a hack. Stan Lee is Stan a, Lee nobody. He, does, he can't hold a candle to Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Stan Lee of Spider-Man is nothing yeah. compared to the Stan Lee of yeah, the yeah. Fantastic Four. We should have done a 102-episode podcast about the original <laughs> Fantastic Four the run. The Kirby run. Oh, man, uh, that would be uh, a lot. I'm, an, I'm anxious just even joking that we would do that many. <laughs> We'd have to do, like, four issues uh, an episode. Yeah. You could just do, like, the Galactus run or something. Like, that's that's Like, a, three issues, two issues? Just to show, like, how they ran together so smoothly and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um— Don't tease this audience. Yeah, we're never going to do it. Uh, So, uh, okay, let's get into the issue. Bring back my goblin to me. So we pick up right where we left off. Yeah, seconds later, uh, Goblin is dropping Spider-Man's lifeless body at the feet of, well, not lifeless. He's alive. Unconscious, yeah. Unconscious body at the feet of the crime master. Who's stunned.
1: He's got little stunned
0: lines around his head. The crime master thought he killed Spider-Man because he threw gas in his face and punched him off a building and then walked away. (laughs) Yep, he didn't. Spider-Man survived. Yeah. Uh, there's also like a, a really fun shot of the gang of thugs, yeah, watching this, and they all have the most eager faces. Yeah, their jaws are all just dropped. Yeah, I mean, it also would be like a crazy day as a criminal. Would be like, yeah, hey, honey, rob a bank today? No, I went down to the waterfront. The crime front. master and the Green Goblin dragged us all down to the waterfront. Spider Man was captured. <laughs> yeah, it was like a it was a great party. Honestly, yeah, it was really fun. I got to see a lot of guys I haven't seen. But this is the splash page we're looking at, and there's um. Some fun splash page stuff. Yes, uh, every, I got to read every bit of it because it's all <laughs> okay. insane. The last so, bit is my favorite. The last bit is great. So Stanley, as as you might know, if you've been reading along with this, is an over explainer. Yeah, there's no panel that Stanley doesn't think deserves one or two panels of his dialogue. And also, if there's if there's room for a caption box, there's gonna be a caption box. <laughs> <laughs> so in this splash page. The first caption box says, just as the mysterious crime master prepares to take command over the city's gangs, a startling interruption takes place as the gloating green goblin brings in an unconscious prisoner. But then, next to that caption box, there's is an another caption there's box like, in the shape of an arrow. Yeah, it's pointing at that caption box, a commentary on, on the that caption. commentary. And it says, How's that for a one sentence resume of last month's 20 page thriller? And I mean, it's pretty good. Pretty good. I yeah, think that's a, it's good, a sentence. good answer. And then in the lower right-hand corner is another caption box that says, why don't you read it? This is so great. If you dig an action-packed, old-fashioned cops and robbers mystery yarn, this one is for you. But even if you don't like that kind of story, read it anyway. It may just change your mind. (laughs) It's very funny. It's very funny. It's like he wrote, again, I, I feel like at this point Stanley just, there's no second draft. There's no second draft. And he got like halfway through that and was like, oh, I need to say something else. But even if you don't, oh, I don't know. I read it anyway. <laughs> it's going to change. I mean, I shouldn't have even, It's so. Fun. I shouldn't even have brought up the fact that you don't like these. I mean, Marvel comics are so fun. Yeah. They're so fun. Like it's that throwaway energy that is part of what makes them so cool. Um, once again, Steve Ditko has got his plotted credit. Yep. Stan Lee is just the scripter now. Yeah. Ditko is in command. Um, and they hate each other. Well, Ditko hates Lee. I don't know if Lee hates Ditko. Yeah, I, don't, I think Lee hates to be hated. Yeah, I think Lee's probably annoyed by Ditko's difficulty. Yeah. Uh, but he knows he's doing a great job. Um, again, people keep trying to pull off Spider-Man's mask in this issue. But uh, last issue, this is an, a costume that he bought from a costume shop. And so the only way to keep it together because it doesn't fit him well is to web the seams closed. So yes, so before his mask he was knocked on, has is, been recently is, webbed shut. Yeah, so they can't get his mask off, which is a lucky break. Yeah, so the cops, so the robbers, I'm sorry. If cannot, he still had his normal costume, everyone would know he's Peter Parker. They would know he was some kid. He, they know who he is. Peter Parker is famous <laughs> as the kid who uh, Flash Thompson hates. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's that kid that Flash Thompson bullies over at Queens High. You're talking about the quarterback at Midtown High? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Midtown High. Midtown in Queens. I mean, it's unclear. Um, okay, so the Goblin and the Crime Master are getting into it. Like, the, the crowd is basically turning on the Crime Master, and they want to side with Goblin. I mean, Goblin just produced Spider Man. The second panel on page two has got some great uh, Goblin hands. But he's sort of just oh yeah, just grabbing his chest and pointing with one. Like, I don't know. Steve Ditko loves drawing overly articulated fingers, and panel like, two I, of page two has got some good ones. I think he's doing. I don't know. It's a very weird hand gesture. One hand is on his chest sort of like moi. Yeah, yeah. And the other hand is looks like it's about to do a web shooting motion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's great. He's fun. He's also got great eyelashes. Okay, so the, the, the criminals, the tide is turning, and they're turning away from Crime Master, and they want to give their support to Goblin. Yeah. Um, they say, we're taking orders from the Goblin and no one else. These criminals are so wishy-washy. They're so fickle. They should have stuck with whoever was leading them before this. We don't know who that is. Honestly, they remind me of the youth of today. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but there's another issue that uh, evolves, which is Spider-Man starts to wake up. He's chained pretty tight, but he well, starts to become conscious. Also, Patch, uh, a stoolie for the police, is in the crime. And oh, he's yeah. like, he's like, oh, where are the police? I called them and told them about this. He's thinking to himself. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of caught up on last issue's stuff here. Yeah. You've only read this issue. So Spider-Man starts to wake up, but he's chained. Yeah. And they know he's waking up. And so um, they're like, you know, Goblin is like, never forget who beat Spider-Man, boys. Now let's get his mask off. But he's starting to squirm around. Yeah. So he's like in a full body, like a Harry Houdini chain job. Yeah. Like his ankles are chained together. His chest is chained. Yeah. Uh, and he just starts hopping around. There's two thugs holding him still. And in the background, Crime Master says to one of the thugs, watch it, Blackie. He's bracing himself. I just want to say a lot of thugs are named Blackie. This is the second Blackie. They're not African-American, thank God. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Or we wouldn't be able to do this podcast. (laughs) Just stop right there. But um, just a funny nickname. I don't don't know if that was a nickname that went around in the 60s or what. I mean, Stanley repeats himself a few times in this issue. Um, Okay, so Spider-Man wakes up, and even though he's totally chained Harry Houdini style, he immediately starts beating the crap out of people. He takes down two thugs immediately and then leaps in the air like six feet high. Yeah, as the goblin and the crime master are shooting at him, goblin fire fire fingers and yeah. crime master bullets, and because Spidey jumps, they almost hit each other. The goblin's sparking fingertips are looking a little more threatening now. There's like a little bit of a beam to them instead of just like light sparks. Yeah, it's something that people maybe actually there's, deserve to be scared of. There's a line I just rewatched: Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and uh, and Thor doesn't. He's like. His powers aren't working well at the beginning of the movie, and he tries Mm -hmm. to summon lightning, but his fingers just sort of spark a little bit. Yeah, And Jeff Goldblum is sort of like, oh, did you just make sparks come out of your fingers? Like some sort of comment about that, which reminds me of this. But then later on, during like the big fight scene, Jeff Goldblum is sort of announcing Thor's like, watch out for his fingers. They sparkle. (laughs) Anyway, That's what I think about the Green Goblin. It's sort of like such a... In, it's a backhanded compliment, I guess. Yeah. Like, watch out for his fingers. They sparkle. Yeah. That's very, very funny. I forgot what an insane character he is in that movie. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, this fight se- sequence here at the beginning is awesome. This is a, in my mind, a top banner uh Steve Ditko Spider-Man fight. Yeah, he gets... So, I mean, I love when Spider-Man fights normal thugs because it's fun to watch him take out, like, eight guys w- with, like, one move. But Ditko really gets a lot of mileage out of Spidey being chained. Like, the sort of weird way he has to contort his body to do stuff is uh, looks mm-hmm. cool. And, like, the fight is really rad. I mean, the first panel on page four is great. Guys are just flying everywhere. Yep, that's really lovely. The cops show up in panel two, so it's a huge melee. Yeah, and uh, this Spider-Man run, the cops are superheroes. Yeah. These guys are not afraid of anything. They come into... There's a bunch of bullets flying. Yeah. They swing their fists. They take guys out. They're not afraid. This is three guys against all of the criminals in New York City. Yeah. And they're like, let's get to it. Yeah. You didn't see like an episode of The Sopranos where like three cops from Manhattan walked into a room full of Tony Sopranos guys and just started swinging fists. It took them all down. Yeah. Yeah. The cops are super good guys in Stanley's yeah, yeah. universe. universe. Um, meanwhile, Spidey is taking care of a lot of the work for them. Like he's still chained up, but he knocks oh, out. There sport. is an African-American cop. Yep. We're starting to see more um, African-American people, at least in the background. Like for a long time, yeah, this Manhattan was lily white. This might be the first speaking African-American in a Spider-Man comic. Uh, I think there was one last issue in the Daily Bugle. That oh, okay. was, um, there was a guy who worked there. Oh, well, I mean, we should have talked about it, but maybe he didn't talk. Um, just inching towards progress here sure. in the Marvel Universe. Um. Although at least again, there's there's no overt problem. The absence of equality is bad, but there's no overt anti stuff. Yes, yes. Um. Okay, so then Spidey bursts his uh, his chains. He's been kind of trying to work them loose during this fight. I love this picture of him. Yeah, bursting the chains off. It's like the third time he's type move. Just shatters the chains around his chest by expanding his chest. Yeah. All right. Yeah, just flexing. (laughs) Um, it's an impressive that, move. And not, they don't just go off. They fly off his chest. Yeah. Uh, and now a fully unleashed Spider-Man enters the battle. Yeah, this fight is long. Right. Um, so the cops are dealing with the thugs. Yeah, Spider-Man notices the cops are outnumbered and about to lose. So he stops and... And, and <laughs> sets up a camera. Sets up his camera. Because he needs to make money as Peter Parker selling pictures. So Yeah. We, we, he thinks to himself, those officers are putting up a great fight with the, against the hoods down there. But they can still use some hope. Uh, sorry, but they can still use some help. And they're going to get it as soon as I set up my automatic camera. It's like, <laughs> might as well make this little session pay off for it's me. It's like, oh man, what if they got killed? Yeah, what if he gets killed? Yeah, what if they got murdered by a bullet? What if he gets killed? No, no time. Got to set up this camera. It's <laughs> worth the risk. So he sets up the camera. And now he, we see Spidey leaping down into the crowd. I love this picture, the end of page five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Page six is more just like good old fashioned Steve did go punch a thon, and I love it. Yeah, everyone's just. Those top four panels of page six are great. Just huge crowds of people just being knocked around. Got cops fighting people, thugs trying to fight, Spidey just swimming through these bodies like like he's um like he's a guy who can fly. You know, like Batman TV show sound effects. Whap, fuck, wham, bock. Yep. Uh, and then when the goblin shoots his little sparky fingers, it goes zit. Yeah. And at this point, uh Spiderman's doing this fight. He's looking really great. Then his costume starts riding up on him again, which is so 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 humiliating. It's so funny. He's like being so heroic. Like the cops are like, this guy's saving us. This is, you know, and then all of a sudden he looks like a fool. Uh, Yeah. You can never have Spidey looking totally heroic. The last panel on page six, he just looks... Ridiculous. It's such a funny drawing. He's like squatted down, but like his gloves are like bunching up on his wrist. He like takes a swing and every now and then he's like reaching for like his pant leg and yanking it (laughs) off. So embarrassing. Um, The thugs are giving up. They're so exhausted by this fight.
1: Sure.
0: Goblin and the Crime Master are still free. And so Spidey's chasing them. Well, he can't keep up with the Green Goblin. Green Goblin's too fast on his glider. So he goes after the Crime Master. That's an easier catch. The Goblin is just gone. He chases, chases the crime master. Yeah, he goes under the pier and chases him around using his spider sense to stay on his heels. Um, yes, yeah, so now we're, now we're on a. So the cops have the thugs. That battle's over. Thank you, Patch Stool Pigeon, for informing the cops. That's right. Now we cut to Spidey and the crime master have left that scene and they're, they're like under the docks of the waterfront. Yeah. Running on some like wood panels and the crime master is shooting at Spidey and trying to hold him back. Crime Master really has Spider-Man handled. He does all right one-on-one for yeah. a guy who's got no powers. Just a gun. I mean, Spidey should be able just to run up and take him out easy. I mean, he's fought other guys, and he's, like, just webbed their guns and then po- punched them once. There'll be, like, a gang of jewel thieves, like five of them, and he'll just, like, swing down, and they're done on page one. This guy is no different than the, the tons of thugs he just beat up. But for some reason, we have to accept that he's better. He sneaks into the sewer. There's some really good, like, just... Uh, like environment drawing here. Like the this, mm-hmm. this Steve Ditko sewers always look like the grandest sewers of Paris. Yeah. Um, Steve Ditko's envision of what's going on underneath the island of Manhattan is like a beautiful, ornate stone castle. It's not so oozing, but uh, but it looks well designed. Um, so the crime master's running through a pipe. He shoots some nerve gas behind that's him. That's a crazy thing to be carrying around with you, nerve gas. That's like World War I. That's some, yeah, it's like, it's like trench warfare. <laughs> yeah. Stuff. But Spider Man makes like a web, web mask helmet to yeah. to block the thing, so he makes it through that. But the Crime Master does make uh get gains on him and is is gone. Yeah. Spider Man can't keep up. The sewers are too huge. He can't follow him. So he decides to go back to Frederick Foswell's. He's place. He's convinced it's Foswell. Because Foswell's gotta be the Crime Master. You're also convinced of that. I'm convinced of it. Though it's not gonna be a twist. I know it's Foswell. Yeah. So he goes to Foswell's apartment. And uh, Foswell's not there. But he finds a secret compartment where you could keep a separate costume, like a Crime Master costume or a Green Goblin costume. Uh, I guess there's only a few ways to draw a secret compartment in the back of a wardrobe, but it looks a lot like Rorschach finding the secret compartment in issue one of Watchmen. And I wouldn't be surprised if Gibbons, Gibbons or Gibson? Dave Gibbons. Gibbons, Gibbons. um, Use this as a reference because he's such a Ditko head. Maybe. Uh, maybe not. Okay. You heard it here first. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he uh, leaves Foswell's apartment, but the crime master had a gun on him, but the crime master was staking out this apartment. Yeah. He's also outside Frederick Foswell's apartment because? Well, if he is Foswell, it makes total sense. He's just going home. If he's not Foswell, it makes no sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's sort of explained later, but I don't buy it. So... Um, So uh, Spider-Man goes to the Daily Bugle where where Foswell Foswell works and he and he just challenges Jonah. He's like, hey, I know Foswell's the crime master. Yeah. This is a Jonah like jump where he's just like, I got no proof. I got a proof. I'm sure of it. Come on. You know. And Jonah doesn't take the bait for the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, He said, I want proof uh, that he's gone crooked again. Spider-Man admits I got no proof. And so Jonah's like, I want nothing to do with it. He calls Foswell in, and Foswell uh, is like, Nah, I'm not him. <laughs> yeah, and Spider Man's like, That's not good evidence. <laughs> yeah. But um, e- but either Spider Man has no evidence either. It's, yeah, it's a whole. Jonah way. trusts Foswell. He certainly doesn't trust Spider Man. Yeah. Meanwhile, across the street from the Daily Bugle, the Crime Master, which according to these Spider Man movies would be the roof of the restaurant Italy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is clearly not <laughs> the Flatiron building <laughs> okay. in this comic. This is a. a, a, a typical shaped building. I mean, I can picture it being anyway. Crime master's on top of Italy (laughs) and he's reaching into his jacket to pull out a gun. But the cops have snuck up on him, and they get him. They get into a gunfight and the crime master gets shot. Yep. And since the crime master is over there and Foswell's here in the office with us, it's not Foswell. No, I'm surprised. Um, yeah, I'm not, but who is the crime master? Will does he, do we find out? We still have several panels to go, Yeah, but at the bottom of the next page, we find out who he is. He's somebody we've never met before. Yeah, it's a nameless gangster. Or Nick, l- Give him a name. Nick Lucky Lewis, who's never been mentioned never before. Never been anymore. mentioned before. And Spidey comments on it in a thought balloon, which is really Stan Lee commenting yeah, yeah. on it. Because Ditko's controlling the story. Right. Ditko loves to have people unmasked and be revealed as nobodies. That's his storytelling instinct. Yes. And Stan what a great whodunit, where at the end it's like, just somebody else was the guy. Yeah. And Stan Lee's instinct is one of the other characters in the story. And Stan Lee is right. Yeah. Um. So what Spidey says is... I do think if Stan Lee had, had his way, and I don't think this would have been good if earlier, if Stan Lee had had his way earlier, I bet Jonah Jameson would have turned out to be the Green Goblin. Interesting. And I think that would have been ruining J. Jonah Jameson? Well, it would... You'd have to end Spider-Man. Like, you would be tying things up in a way as yeah. if it was, like, a long movie. You'd be taking J. Jonah Jameson out of the book as a supporting character. Yeah, he'd be gone. Because um, um, he's the only character that, who, like, has that we don't lines. That we don't know. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's, like, Flash Thompson or something like that. <laughs> Ooh. Or Aunt May. Or Professor Warren, his high school biology teacher. <laughs> Which would explain it, because Warren hates partner. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, once, once they reveal that the Crime Master is this guy we've never heard of, Spider-Man has a thought balloon, he goes, it's kind of funny, in real life, which by the way, this is not real life, it's a comic book, when a villain is unmasked, he isn't always the butler or the one you suspected, sometimes he's a man you didn't even know. Which he thought earlier when he pulled off the mask of Electro. And it was somebody we didn't know. Yeah. I mean, Stan Lee's right, if you're going to go to all the trouble of unmasking and it's just nobody, that's not cool. Yeah, why are you showing us this? Yeah, so... Um, and I, I think I mentioned this when we read the electro issue, but there's an episode of justice league unlimited where I love it. Lex Luthor has taken over the flash's body. So what are the first things he does? And so is- he unmasks himself to like, I'll figure out who the flash is. He pulls off his mask. He's like, well, I have no idea who this is because <laughs> the flash is just some guy named Wally West. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, it's, he pulls the mask off, looks in the mirror menacingly. There's a pause and then he goes, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> it's like very funny. Yeah. Okay. So Foswell was in on it and, um, do they explain what's going on here? They sort of mentioned that the Crime Master kept going. Crime Master knew Patches or Foswell was up to something somehow. So that's why the Crime Master kept going there to kill Foswell. But I don't understand how that all works out. Does, the dots don't connect too well. But it, Foswell's not the Crime Master. Spider-Man right. apologizes. I mean, Foswell could still be Green Goblin at this point. Yes, right. But he's not the Crime Master. Not the Crime Master. So Spidey now has to go back and get his camera so he can make some dough. Yeah. So, so it's a really funny moment here. So he sort of climbs out the window and his costume immediately starts yes. rolling Mikey down. Up. Yeah, We're probably running out of mileage on that joke, but it's still working for yeah. him. Yeah. At the, at the, you don't have to have your costume right up in front of J. Jonah Jameson. No way. It's the worst timing. So he gets back to the waterfront where his camera is. He jumps up to the ceiling where he hit it. And as he jumps up, he sings, I'll leap up to the wood like a Spider-Man should. And then things, uh-oh, I've been watching too many commercials. No idea what that's referencing. No idea what that's referencing, but I love it. <laughs> it's got to be something that was on the air then. I got no idea. Yeah, some jingle that was big in 1965. <laughs> yeah. Or 1953 to Stan Lee's years. Yeah. I assume more recent, but. The camera's missing. Spider-Man's freaked out. He's he yeah. jumping in the, oh, he's he's running out to find it. Um yeah, his spider sense starts tingling. He thinks someone is sneaking up on him, so he he goes to hide, but he trips over a rotten board and falls in the water. Look at Is that a hand on the deck? Um, oh, yeah, right there. Oops. Yeah, it looks like it. In mine, it really looks like it. So it looks like somebody is As under. Spidey's like racing to the edge of the pier to look for his camera. It looks oh, like somebody's I mean, hoisting it is, themselves up. Because the next panel, underneath where he was is all these kids. Okay. So it's one of those kids. So there's these like... just He falls in the water and he sees these three kids like under that part of the pier on the lower level of the this multi-level pier. Yeah. And the kids have had found his camera. They couldn't figure out how to work it. I don't know what that means. It's a camera. But maybe Peter rigged up some kind of special automatic camera. Yeah. Never been revealed to us, but... Um, so they give it back to Spidey. They're like kind of psyched. Oh, this is your Spidey? Yeah, sure. Here. He climbed out of the water and he just... Is, his costume is shrinking. Yeah, it looks like a wreck. They say, hope you don't want an autograph. The way my luck's been going, I'd like, whatever, stab myself with a pencil. The kids are whispering to each other. Haven't got the heart to tell them we're Human Torch fans anyways. I that's mean, so very funny. It's very funny. But if you're a Human Torch fan and you meet Spider-Man, wouldn't you still want his autograph? I would. Wouldn't you? Like, I'm a huge uh, uh, baseball fan. I love David Ortiz. Yeah. And if I, like, met Dustin Pedroia, I wouldn't be like. Sorry. Sorry, Dustin. I'm more of a big poppy guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd be like, I'll also take your autograph. Your yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if I met Derek Jeter and I don't like the Yankees, I'd be like, I'll take an autograph. Yeah, he's a Hall of Fame baseball player. You're one of the most famous baseball players of all time. Yeah. If you're giving out autographs, I'm taking one. Yep. Not me. Then I'm uh, burning it to the gods (laughs) at Fenway Park. (laughs) I will only accept autographs from one person at a time. And I currently am only accepting autographs from Ian McKellen. All right. Yep. He's the only person I will take autographs from. Well, I have a surprise for you, Will. Ooh. Inside this room right now. What? Sir Ian McAllen, He's the man? Yeah. You were going to wait till this is our second podcast episode? Yeah, he's been waiting. He's had to listen to us do an episode and a half of yeah, a podcast? he's been waiting on my back deck. He's a, not giving out autographs today, but he well, wants to say hi. According to Patrick Stewart's Instagram, he's a patient man. Yeah. Okay, so Spidey's costume, it's finally bit the dust. It's yeah. shrunk too much. Yeah, no, it's not just uh, riding up. It's shrinking. Yeah. So he takes it off, gets into his rugged Peter Parker blue suit, formerly nerdy, now rugged. Develops all the pictures, and he decides he's not going to sell it to the Bugle. Why not try another paper? At this point in this story, action has ended like six or seven pages ago. We're all subplot for the rest of the story. I know. It's a weird, like, kind of cool down. Like, I mean, even the stop of the crime master was sort of anticlimactic. It was a couple cops doing it on a rooftop away. There's a huge battle at the start of this issue, and then it's just... Yeah, the first ten pages is all fight. And the next 10 pages is not anything. Nothing happens. Yeah, Ditko's pacing is weird. Or he just likes the book The Return of the King, which they destroy the ring like halfway through. And then there's like a whole other half of a novel left. Uh, But yeah, so he – but he wants to sell these photographs. He's like, why sell these to J. Jonah Jameson? Yeah, why don't I go try another place? So he goes to the Daily Globe. And meets up with photo editor Barry Bushkin. Who who we just, just talked, talked about, about on the issue. instant classic in the Peter Parker Spectacular Spider Man Annual. Yeah, that Barry came out this a few guy ago. that we're seeing right here is a major character in that story. Becomes editor of the Globe at some point. He's a really he's got a really funny comb over here. Yeah, he's an insanely annoying man in in the Peter Parker Spectacular Spider Man. He's a depressed, yeah, defeated, yeah, put upon guy. Here he's like a buffoon. Yeah. He's a very different personality, but he looks the same. Looks the same, um, and Peter—he loves the pictures. He wants to buy them, but he's—he is a chatterbox who's got a million questions. Yeah, these are terrific, son. How'd you manage to get pictures of that fight on the docks? Who tipped you off? You can't kid old Barney Bushkin fella. How'd you do it? You know, someone in the rackets got a friend on the force. Come on, baby, don't hold on an old bushy. You can tell me. I won't tell a soul. <laughs> To so Peter's like, oh, I'd rather deal with Jonah. Like in two yeah. panels, Bushkin blew it. Yeah, he could have had Peter Parker as a, as a photographer. So they cut back to the office. J. Jonah Jameson is beaming ear to yeah. ear. He's so this is a huge scoop. This is a legitimate huge scoop that does not involve humiliating Spider-Man. Yep. Like Jonah's doing actually good newspaper work. Yeah, he got a good reporter that he forgave, who did him right. Yeah. A huge bust. This is a great story for the bugle. The I mean, this only is as big as Bill. a podcast going over a true crime. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah he's the, as big as cereal right now. The only knock is that he didn't get the photographs because the globe got the, the exclusive photographs. And that does bother Jameson. He claims it doesn't. Yeah. Out loud. He's like, hey, it's all right. We don't need him. We could have had those pictures. We wanted them, but I prefer to run the story straight. No sensationalism. Uh, so biggest funny. lie he's ever said. And in his head, he is just, he's like, Oh, I hope Parker's not quitting on me. Got to turn the old famous Jonah Jameson charm. Uh, on. Yeah. I I love J. Jonah yeah, Jameson. He thinks he's charming. Uh, Peter goes home and looks for his costume. Can't find it. Starts sewing again. <laughs> this is such a weird issue. Yeah. The action is so far behind us. We have two <laughs> panels where Peter's getting ready to sew his costume. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty funny. I mean, it's they're well drawn. It's And I like the next page a lot. I love this next page. I love um, this next page. But this is a weird, if you pitch the story and like, so there's a big fight. Love it. Then Spider-Man goes to the bugle, talks to some people. <laughs> Peter looks around his house. Yeah, Jonah's yeah. at a meeting. There's some photograph selling, some photograph developing. We talked to Aunt May for a little bit. And that's our story. Yeah, you'd be like, uh, I feel like you're missing another action set piece. Yeah. Normally, there's two fights in a Spidey issue, but we got we only yeah. have one here. But so he's he's decided I'm gonna sew a costume tonight. Yep. So he's about to, but then he sees Aunt May is looking kind of sad. Yeah, she's had plans to hang out with uh, uh, Miss Watson, who lives next door. Yeah, uh, Mary Jane Watson's aunt. Because aunt, nobody has parents. This is the street of all ants. Yeah. Uh, and he sees her sad and he decides, well, I'm not going to sell my costume tonight. I'm going to spend, I don't spend any time with Aunt May. Yeah. And her husband died. Yeah. Because of me. <laughs> like recently. Yeah. In the, and, you know. and so he's like, I got an idea aunt May. There's no school tomorrow. I have no homework. How about come and do a movie with me now? And she like brightens up. She's so excited. You mean to Peter, you really want to go with me? With my favorite aunt? You know it. I love so sweet. how much they love each this other. This is a very sweet yeah. sequence and it, she I is, love it beaming there is a movie i've been dying to see it's a remake of an old favorite of mine it's really kind of great um it's a nice little turn here yeah i'll buy you all the popcorn you can eat so put on your prettiest hat and let's go says peter it's great yep it's really sweet um that's a nice little happy turn for peter but we're not done with the lack of action we cut back to frederick foswell (laughs) yeah no action but he's got a costume in bundles yeah. And he's glad that Parker didn't figure out his secret. Oh, is he the goblin we're thinking? Yeah. is he, is the he green still goblin? the crime master? Is he still a, yet another head of mobs? Yeah. Is he um, Fancy Dan? <laughs> but we reveal, nope, he was Patch. Yeah, he was the stoolie. He but, was the stool pigeon. Yeah. So when he was doing all his spying, it makes sense why he would rat on the co- on the criminals. He wasn't one of the criminals. Yeah, he, he was just, a reporter the whole time. Just in disguise. And he knows about the crime scene he can get in because he used to run the mob. Yep does make sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Now we cut to- So it's an amazing mask. It's the best mask anybody's ever seen. This is Mission Impossible level disguise that this reporter for the Bugle had made himself? Made himself. um, And then we cut to the Green Goblin, who's also not doing action. He's now decided Spider-Man is his arch foe. I don't know who he thought was his arch foe before this. Yeah, he's really mad at Spider-Man. We don't see who he is. We're not going to learn who he is now. Nope. And then uh, Peter and Aunt May, we cut back to Peter and Aunt May, and they've just seen the movie- and it was like a tear jerker. Aunt May loves the movie that makes her cry. Peter's like he prefers an action movie. And we get a good joke from Aunt May. They're not good for you, Peter. You know how high sensitive and how sensitive and high strung you are. Yeah, she continues, it isn't healthy for a boy like you to have too much excitement, even in a movie. How true, he says, How true. Yeah. And they're riding the bus home. Yeah. They don't have a ton of money. Yeah. Um, well, that's the end of that story. It's a nice ending. It's a nice ending. I mean, there's great moments, and that second half has got lots of great moments. It's just weird that they're all strung together. You know what? I loved it. It worked on me. <laughs> I loved this issue. I, I Somehow the, the two-parter, I was, the cliffhanger worked. You found the pacing in the previous issue a little off. This is the issue where it hit me harder. The pacing is, yeah, the pacing is strange. But after a climactic battle, there is room for a cool down. Yeah. If four pages, five pages, <laughs> maybe six pages. Sure. Seven pages. Oh, you might be stretching it. Nine pages. A little much. Ten pages. Yeah. Half the issue. Yeah. That's like, if you watched a movie, if you watched like a movie, like if you watch Die Hard and, and he saves the day by like 45 minutes in. Yeah. And then it was like another 45 minutes of him just like sort going home and washing up, <laughs> talking to his wife and being like, oh man, that was crazy. Right. <laughs> just, I killed all those guys in that building. Yeah. Cops coming over and being like, "Hey, can you give us a statement?" Sure, here's a statement. Yeah, go shopping for Christmas gifts. <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, you're right. Um, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, those could all be great moments. I think the battle was so beautiful in the beginning, and that Aunt May sequence was really sweet. And um, I don't know. There was some, uh, some. I really enjoyed this issue. Will decided this is a perfect issue. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I, I just. I guess I. I guess I'd always written off these issues in the yeah. 20s and I'm like no they're they're really good but there is something different like the art is different than it was like in the first 10 issues like if you think back on the old vulture doc Ock issues they were they were I think I liked the art then a little better I don't know if the inking was different or something I mean it's definitely a little more uh chaotic yeah Yeah. Um, not that it's I mean Steve Ditko's art is never like um Feels completely controlled. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, There's also more close-ups of faces, though, which I love now. Yeah, he's getting more into the characters and less into just the set pieces. I mean, that's the thing. The second half is very Ditko. Ditko loves Peter Parker and the humans. Yeah. Um, All right, let's give our awards. Yeah. So first up, uh, favorite panel. That's easy for me. The chain exploding the bottom of page four. Uh, that's great. Uh, mine is the soaking wet Spider-Man suit, final panel on page 15, where mm. the kids are laughing at him. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's really great. picking humiliation. Yep, that's really good. Okay, um, dialogue. I don't have one yet. Um, I had one. Uh, let me find it. Oh, page 17, the last line from J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, he talks about how first it starts off. Oh, this yeah, is not my favorite yeah. line, but he says, "Foswell, he was just a cog in the wheel. I was the master planner. The entire capture of the crime master took place under my personal direction." Which great statement. And then he follows it up with, "But my own natural modesty prevents me from bragging about it." That's pretty As funny. he's bragging about it, smoking a cigar, beaming. Um, I think I'm going to go with um, Bushkin. Sure. Uh, come on, baby, don't hold out on old Bushy. You can tell me. I won't breathe it to a soul. Why would that guy call himself Bushy? Hey. This guy talks like he is a slick-looking <laughs> dude, and he is a overweight, balding. The worst combover over in the history of yeah, men. This guy is. The hair reaches halfway up his oh, head. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, what's your highlight? I guess my highlight is, um, I mean, uh, fight feels too silly to be the highlight. I guess the initial, when he's still chained up, the pre-chain-breaking fight. Okay, that'll be my highlight. I think that is mine also. But oh, just wait. since you said that, I'm going to say the sequence with that maze is my highlight because it was such a I mean, delight. That's a really good. Yeah. It, was, it isn't as important to the story, but it was such a nice surprise. It, that's definitely the highlight of the the second issue, the ten issue <laughs> non action Spider Peter Parker yeah. story. Um, it was a. It's a cool little human moment. Like you don't get those. It's. At this point in comic book superhero comic book history, uh, you don't get those a lot. It was a few issues ago, the, the Goblin and the Gangsters issue, where he calls Aunt May as a very sweet moment. Yeah. And this is another Aunt May sweet this moment. This is a more real one. Uh, and I feel like there went a long stretch where there weren't really any sweet— She was sort of a hindrance. Yeah. she I mean, was he kind had of to nagging. worry about. It. He had to, like, try to slip out without her knowing. And it's great to see him just like, oh, yeah, I love this person. The person who, in Amazing Fantasy fifteen I said— everyone else can go rot except for aunt may and uncle ben right half of them are still around and he hasn't yeah treated them that way for a while so it's yeah. great to see him care yeah. about her okay low light um the pacing for me it's just like yeah that it's 10 pages yeah we're like a bunch of disparate things sort of happen right like I, even reading it uh reading is- it just now i just were sort of like oh where's this going oh nowhere On one hand, it's too bad that Lee and Ditko weren't getting along, because I bet you Stan Lee would have real good advice on this. Yeah. And the other thing, though, it is amazing that it still worked. Like, these issues worked. Yeah, I mean, like, I think if Lee had his way, like, Spider-Man would have been more involved in the stopping of the Crime Master. Yeah. Also, the Crime Master would have been somebody. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess uh, my low light is going to be, yeah, sort of the two boring reveals they're kind of tied together like so uh crime master being lucky Louie and foswell being patches patch i'm like eh, i don't know didn't work for me yeah i mean but the, I, the, although the, the foswell are- needed to be revealed to somebody because yeah he has this compartment and costumes yeah, yeah, and yeah. everything like that i uh, like that they tied it up but it just didn't work yeah. for me so i mean i'm glad it's done because we've had a few issues now like foswell's up to something and now we just know it's over yeah Okay, um, that's our issue. Yeah. Um. So, so we don't have any more mail because we did our mail last issue. That's right. But please, if you want to send us anything, we are ScrewitSpidey at Gmail. We have a Twitter account, ScrewitSpidey, and an Instagram that Kevin puts up a lot of choice panels. Yeah. So I'll post some of these images for you. You can choose your favorite from the ones I post. Yeah. Or read the issue yourself and pick it like a like a from like everything. Like you have every person. choice. Uh, But if you don't have the issues, you'll see a feel for what these stories are about. I'd love to hear from anybody listening. Did you read this issue? What did you think? Do you think the pacing was weird? Did this issue work for you? We want to hear it. Who wants the crime master to come back? Who wants the crime master to be the villain in the next Spider-Man movie? I do. I want the Crime Master to team up with Crafty Clown. Sure, and the, the Tinkerer. Oh, if you bring in the Crafty Clown, oh, no, the Tinkerer exists. Tinkerer was in the previous movie. Yeah, I forgot. They made him good though. Um, I mean, if you're gonna not, not if you're gonna bring in the Crafty Clown, of course the Crime Master works. Yeah, but I think the Crafty Clown is doing the heavy lifting. Well, because he, he's such a smart leader. He can ride a unicycle. He can yeah. juggle, and yeah. he has uh, he knows somebody who owns a giant snake. Yep, that's not part of his thing. No, but he knows that person. Yeah. Um, yeah, so get get in touch with us, please. Uh, yeah. Now, I guess let's do some uh, recommendations. We haven't sure. done them in a while. And you've got one queued yeah. up in your head, so why don't you give? I'll go them first. Out? So yeah. mine is. Um, and again, I don't read as many comics as Kevin, so mine are not as deep cuts. No, uh, but I'm gonna there's recommend a new character named Superman. <laughs> 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 this is an interesting little guy. Get this—he can fly. Yeah, I've only read Action Comics number one, but it sold me. <laughs> well, you know, it sold a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Uh, mine's going to be Ms. Marvel, the new rebooted, uh, Ms. Marvel. Um, the, um, Muslim girl in Jersey city who the, like a cloud of inhumans gas passes (laughs) over her and gives her some powers. Like the story of how she got her powers isn't great, but her character is really fun. The voice of the comic is sort of, uh, you you know, in the way like certain movies or TV shows or comics will have a personality in the way everybody talks. This is kind of a... Ms. Marvel and her friends in her high school are fans of comic books, so mm-hmm. they talk. They talk about and they live in the Marvel universe. Yeah, they're they're a fan of superheroes. They're they're a fan of books. the actual superheroes who exist. So like they they make references to heroes and the things heroes do. It's very cool. Um, she is both super optimistically enthusiastic about being a superhero, so she has a lot of fun with her powers. But like Peter Parker, has a lot of home life pressures her family is very religious and they put pressure on her they're like a loving family but they're sort of smothering Mm -hmm. and uh her friend you know she's got issues at high school of like popular people and friends and stuff like that and um i was really charmed by it i read the first two trades first trade i liked a lot Mm -hmm. but the second trade i really dug when the the main villain the inventor shows up and he has a cool scheme um, and like like any like a lot of good villains, it's sort of zeitgeisty. It's kind of like I don't want to spoil it because it's like a reveal what he's doing, but he's got a philosophy behind what he's doing that there's some sense to it. There's something about the art. I don't remember when it really kicks in. If it, it definitely wasn't volume one, but as it goes on, there's a almost like a Mort Drucker quality to the art. Oh, interesting. Uh, and like definitely in the background characters, they're more like uh, they've got they're like more cartoonish Mm, yeah there's a lot of like bounce in there yeah like they're curved yeah yeah and uh that gets sort of amplified definitely with like just sort of the 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 non-main characters yeah the world sort of starts to get that feel to me even when they've had multiple artists on the title even across multiple artists i sort of really like that feel um she's a shapeshifter is her main ability She's, yeah, not quite a shapeshifter. I don't know. Her powers are sort of... They're a little fluid. Yeah. it's She's like, um, she can more... Uh, she can grow stretch. big. She can get small. She yeah. can stretch pretty easily. But then she can also sometimes make her body look different. Yeah. And she doesn't use that power a lot. I think it's really hard on her or she can only That do seems it, to be getting... Yeah. They're kind of phasing that out or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I don't... Maybe they've got a long-term the, plan Because the for initial it. story is yeah. when she becomes Ms. Marvel, she becomes the sort of, like, she looks white, like... white girl ideal... Like blonde. She looks like Captain Marvel, who used to call herself Miss Marvel. Yeah. Um, Carol Danvers. Yeah. Soon to be a major motion picture by Marvel Universe. And then she kind of becomes into her own yes. physical look and stuff like that. So they're kind of phasing out the shapes and stuff. But um, her best, she's got a good relationship with her best friend, who's a guy. I oh, you know that I think is like really intriguing and feels realistic. It feels like John Hughes to me where there's so much comic after where you are. I I can't say anything because so much happens. Okay. Well, I'm excited to read it and it really, it really got me. So if you haven't read Ms. Marvel, I I recommend it. I've read it. What do you think? It is good. Okay. I'm still reading it. Okay. Great. Love it. Uh, I'm going to recommend, I don't think I've recommended this before. Have I recommended scales and scoundrels? No, I don't think so. It's an image book that I sort of just stumbled on because the art it's very interesting to me, it's a very simplified art style by a guy I think like named like Galad or something. Uh I don't even like almost like Galahad uh-huh. but not quite. Uh-huh. And it's basically it feels like a and d comic. Um it's got like a dwarf and a, a a prince and a bodyguard and sort of a treasure seeker who go like looking for a treasure in the first story. Hmm. Um and the story's pretty good. Okay. But the art is so cool, and so yeah. interesting. It's minimalistic, it's, you said? It's, 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 it's minimalistic. That makes it sound more minimal than maybe it is, but way more minimalistic. It's more minimal than most comics on the stands. Okay, okay. Um, it's, I find it very beautiful. Um, it's only like nine or ten issues in, but I will say when new issues have come out, I get very excited. It's mm. like one of the books I most, I don't think about it between issues. Like some books I'm like, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait, yeah, I can't right, wait. Right. And this one, it's like, I don't think about it, and I see an issue, I'm like, oh, I'm reading this first. Yeah, it's not quite on like the tip of my brain yeah. you know, excitement yet, but it definitely is when I see it, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a fun read. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. And it's really, really fun. And it's the fun of D and D, not the, and you're a big D trappings D&D. of D and D. So, I mean, it has got the trappings of D and D, but that's, it's, it's more about the fun. Like, it just feels like these are characters first. I feel like a lot of fantasy stories are Circus. quests and yeah. plot mm-hmm. and here's what's going on. And there's this, war going on and these things and that and you know like this ogre king and like all this backstory and it sort of feels like it's just a lot to dig into which is you know lord of the rings and yeah it makes sense but this just sort of feels like these are fun characters and the world is slowly being sort of revealed to you Mm. which when i started playing dnd i uh, I didn't i hadn't played much i didn't know much i'd read lord of the rings but i didn't know all these characters and monsters and animals so to me it felt like that it felt like Every time I met a new monster, I'm like, I've never heard of this. Yeah. So that was. It, so like it, you're, you playing D&D was like discovering a world. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever, like I'd be playing with other guys who'd played like throughout their childhood and they'd be like, oh yeah, and Etten. And I'd be like, I don't know what that is. Mm. Should I be scared? Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, they would get scared of things. They'd be like, oh no. And I'd be like, I don't know what this is. I'm going to go fight it, I guess. Do you and, still play with those guys when you get together? Um. Yeah, we play like once a year. It's nice. You're um, friends from college. Yes. And now you're 75 years old. Uh, my D and D characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, good recommendation. Yeah. So scales and scoundrels and Miss Marvel. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's it. So uh, that's our episode. So we did our social media plugging and um, yeah. Screw it, Spidey. We'll do it again. Yeah. And okay. um, uh, check us out on all platforms. Um, and what next issue is twenty seven? <laughs> I shut my book. I think like it's twenty eight. Uh, I think what, this was 27. 28, yeah. yeah. The so Molten 28, Man. 28, Molten Man. Yeah. Uh, cool looking cover. I'm excited. All right, so um, all right, we'll talk about it next uh, episode. Yeah, see you guys in a week on Wednesday. Bye. Bye. Screw it, screw it. We're, We're just going to talk about, about Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. And we host Everything is Rent, a podcast about the Broadway musical Rent. Every week, we're joined by a hilarious guest to talk about one of Rent's 525,600 songs. We'll answer questions like, is Rent the best musical of all time? Has Rent aged well? Are they not going to pay Rent? The answer to all these questions is yes. That's Everything is Rent on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.